Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today I was joined by Martin Keown who was not happy with the independent panel who ruled Newcastle's goal versus Arsenal, rightly stood. We were also joined in the studio by two special guests. Firstly, Gary Rowett reflected on his time at Millwall, with VAR also on the agenda. And he was followed through the door by Premier League winner Colo Toure, who enjoyed reuniting with his invincible colleague and talking all things Arsenal. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Martin, great having you on board this morning. Mr Jordan's having a well-earned day off. Uh, no doubt I'll get a text message, I would say, in less than a minute. Uh, we shall see what happens uh, with that. I mentioned in the introduction, Martin, that two will become three, will become four, because Gary Rowett, um, who recently left Millwall by mutual consent, is going to join us here in studio this morning. I like Gary a lot. Looking forward to speaking to him. And then your old chum, Colo Turi is going to be in studio with us for the final hour. I've had a message from Arsene Wenger about the two of you. I'll wait until Colo graces us with his presence before I read that out. But how did you get on with Colo oh, in your time there? Yeah, brilliant. He was, he was a great lad. Um, I remember when he first turned up, <clears throat> about 10 stone, so keen to, uh, to impress. He came on trial. He immediately caught the eye. With, with his work rate, his determination, uh, 1v1s the manager was doing with him, no one could get past him. It was just a matter of time the boss was going to give him his contract and uh, he went on to have a fantastic career. Brilliant. Ray Parler has an incredible story about what Colo did in the early days of his arrival. It is absolutely wonderful. And for everybody out there, honestly, if I'm if I was to tease something, it's that story this morning, and we'll get Colo Turi's reaction to it because he doesn't know it's coming. We're going to play it later on. I hope Colo Turi is not coming uh, to London Bridge right now in a taxi, and the drivers get you and I on at the moment. But it's absolutely hilarious. I'm looking forward to that. Martin Keown, your ears must have been burning. I was sitting at the Emirates on uh, Wednesday night with huge Arsenal fan, boxing promoter Frank Warren. And uh, we were watching you on the sidelines um, being lauded by the Arsenal support. How do you really feel when you go back there? Oh, I always love I love it. Going back to my to my club 
Um, I must say, actually, uh, working with Laura Woods, I thought she was really impressive to work with. Really good fun. Rio as well, uh, ever improving as a pundit. Right. So the team there was, it was great. They made it really good fun. Uh, the well, fan, you, you're the saying fan, I'm not? Oh, uh, no, Jim, I'm, we're saying you're one of the best, you know. Oh, but there's new people, there's new stars are emerging, <coughs> and Laura's one of those. Move on. So, so um, yeah, no, but it was, it was lovely. <laughs> the, the fans are great. You know, you yeah. still wonder, it's 20 years now, isn't it, since we last won a Premier League. They still remember who you are. They that, do. That's... Uh, Quite remarkable, but you do feel nostalgic now when you go back to the to the ground, enjoying those Premier, you know, Champions League nights are yeah, great. Yeah, so it's something we have not had for six seasons. So great to see Arsenal. I'm do not well. so sure about your first touch. We saw a ball land at your feet, and uh, it kind of cannoned off you, and it was heading for the Bovril stand. Jim, with those brogues on, I was doing well to stay on my feet. Actually, <laughs> I, I was more concerned about falling, and the, the slope did me a little bit. It didn't allow for that with, with my first touch. So much polish on my shoes. We loved it. Frank Warren loved watching you from distance. It was great, man. It was a great atmosphere been a good win for Arsenal uh, we'll talk Arsenal we'll talk Arteta shortly maybe not in the manner that you want us to but oh uh, the gloves are hey, going to come off Jim I think who cares about that or is it yes. just now that Simon's away you're really going to come for me on Arsenal oh yeah right? very much so okay. yeah this is going to be I am look at me Martin I am Ruud van Nistelrooy this morning now then Liverpool suffered a shock 3-2 loss in uh, Toulouse last night Klopp uh, was left somewhat fuming with VAR and was a bit bewildered about where the French decided that the uh, press conference post-match should be held in a tent outside the stadium. This was Klopp. The opposite, the opposite of good. The result, the opposite of good. And who had the idea to, to do the press conference here? That would be a really interesting question. Wow. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying he took it in good spirit, actually. He was all right, considering Liverpool had just lost 3-2 to Toulouse. But you are not happy about um, the, the goal that was not given in the end to Liverpool in the build-up of what Liverpool thought was um, an equaliser in the final moments. Alexis McAllister was a judge to have handled the ball. Play goes on. The goal is scored, but then it's disallowed because it's all brought back. The referee looks at his monitor, no goal, but you're not happy about how that was handled. Well, I mean, we've not discussed this before we come on air, but I, I think the referee makes the right call. I think that's why VAR is there. There were seven Toulouse players with their hand in the air complaining they, they could see handball. And when you look at it, OK, you have to look at it quite closely, but I do feel it brushes the arm. And I think it's handball. Yeah. Now, if that was happening in reverse... Liverpool would be complaining they conceded a goal late. And so, yeah, it has a massive effect. Ball hasn't been uh, kicked out of play. So I do feel it had a, a, a major bearing on, on the goal. So but, uh, it's but there. That's what the VAR is for. You think the ref should have got it right there I'm and looking, then instead I of play going on in Liverpool, scoring and then the goal's not given? Jim, we're living in an age where, particularly in the Premier League, we have a lot of new referees. The officialdom is going downhill. If they could deal with it in the moment, we wouldn't have to interlude so often with VAR. And VAR is not really wanting to get involved anyway. So be better in the moment. That's for the players. They say it to the players, don't they? Make the right calls, make the right decisions. Yeah. Let's do that as well from the referee's point of view. I'll take you back to the, uh, to the one, that the Chelsea one. So with Chelsea Spurs this week, Michael Oliver. Now look, if you, if look, if you look at R Romero's tackle, he nearly breaks his leg, but it's right in front of the referee. He didn't even see it. We've had to go to VAR to see that. Now Michael's one of the best, but, that, but, but he missed that. But that's why it's there. Yes, 
Of course, but I'm to saying... To assist in getting the right it, decisions. It, it is, but it's how, VAR's being used far too much because the referees are missing it in the moment. They are the referees right on the job. Make decisions. Yeah, but if they, if they make the wrong decision in that moment, you'll be all over them. Like why, wasn't, suit. why wasn't that a penalty immediately? Why wasn't Martin, that? Later, right, put it this way. We heard this week from Lucas Brood, uh, the chief exec of IFAB, and they're football's rule makers. He tells us where they're at with VAR. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll, I'll be very interested to get your view on this. We're not going to do it yet. We'll do it in about 10 or 15 minutes uh, because he talked specifically about uh, the rant in Newcastle of Mikel Arteta. He didn't want to talk about specifics uh, in terms of managers. He didn't want to name managers as such. But he says, yeah, I mean, some of the reactions in your country, here in the UK, specifically England, are quite hysterical. We'll get to that uh, shortly. Martin, on a, on a positive note, um, the news came through that Luis Diaz's father had been released 12 days after the man was kidnapped, along with his wife, Luis's mum, in uh, northern Colombia. Uh, Luis's mum was returned and then it took several days before his dad was returned as well. Just before we get your take on that, and you know, thank goodness for the outcome that we've witnessed. Earlier in the, the in the the week, we had uh, former Chelsea midfielder John Obi Mikel in this very studio, and you know, the Luis Diaz story very much resonated with John Obi Mikel. Knockout stages against Argentina. Two hours before the game, I got this phone call from my brother. <clears throat> saying that dad has been kidnapped again for the second time. So I, I was like, you know, I took time on my own and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out there and perform. I'm going to go out there and play. This kind of situation are situations whereby you absolutely have nothing to do. You just have to wait because they will call you, they will demand for this, they will demand for that. They will say, if you don't, if you don't do what we want, we're going to shoot your dad, we're going to kill him. Because I had my dad on the phone crying on the phone. I was like, please, can you give them what they want? Because, they, they, you know, I've, be, I've been beaten up here. And they've got, gun, uh, they've got a gun on my head every time saying they're going to kill you. They're going to kill, uh, kill me if, if you don't give them the money that they want. So you managed to get them released? Yeah, I managed to pay lots of money to, you know, to get my dad released. Was it the same group the first time who kidnapped him the group, second time? A different group. The, the, the group that kidnapped him the first time, they were found. They're in prison. Uh, they went to prison, and the second group as well, they were found. Do you know, John Owen McKell was amazing uh, with his description of those events and the sequence of events that led to his father's release. He got him back, but he had to pay a fortune to get him back, uh, as he described. He played in that World Cup match um, wow, wow. for Nigeria against Argentina. Luis Diaz, but had got the news that his dad was safe played last night against Toulouse but of course as you remember Martin before he knew the outcome regards his dad Luis went on as a, sub a substitute on yeah. Sunday against Luton I, I mean, mean you know what he's had to deal with mentally is quite well, incredible Jim, Jim this, the strength of character uh, fortitude mentally so tough because who would have forgiven him if he wanted to go you know crawl away somewhere and say do you know what guys I can't really focus today but he was working for the team still scored an important goal for them yeah. last weekend yeah. didn't he? against Luton albeit another draw for Liverpool but uh, and again there last night not completely certain that his father was going to be released so you know fair play to him I mean how I mean that's quite harrowing wasn't it to hear Johnny there talking about his father just before a World Cup match a gun to his head I mean people shouldn't be having to deal with this it's, it's incredible really what they how Diaz is 
yeah. dealt with this yeah. uh, and got on with his football. And let's hope uh, his family now is safe and well. Yes, we wish you well, Luis. Um, and of course, your mum and dad now safely returned from their kidnappers. Um, Martin, we have a lot to get through. Well done, West Ham. And that was an important win last night. Well done, Rangers. An important win as well. We'll touch on them. They won't go unnoticed, of course. Gary Rowett is fast approaching this building. Uh, Martin left Millwall recently uh, by mutual consent. We'll get Gary's take. They've got a new man in there now uh, over the door. He has taken over, Joe Edwards. We'll hear from Joe as well. Get Gary's take on that. And then later on this morning, we'll hear from Colaturi, who will be in the studio as well. Mal, I've just seen your message and thank you. Jim, I'd just like to say I met Martin at an Irish Football Association Awards night last Thursday and he was a true gentleman I was so impressed he was extremely inspirational to all the grassroots volunteers Well and actually Jim I'd like to say I was there with Pat Jennings who I think had a, a fall at the end of last week Yeah, uh, and I sincerely hope he's, he's well again and he's better, what a true gentleman he was, a great ambassador for Northern Ireland football, brilliant goalkeeper had mm. the pleasure of playing with him yeah. at Arsenal, I'll go back that long Jim <laughs> um, but uh, no, let's hope he's he's on the he's on the mend. One hundred percent engagement, outspoken with White and Jordan. Uh, the back of the Times, Martin, this morning, and in other newspapers, your chum at Arsenal, Arteta wrong on VAR call. Now, of course, uh, this all hinges on um, the game on Saturday night at St James's Park when uh, Anthony Gordon's goal won the match for Newcastle but post-match Arteta was livid that today the Premier League's independent key match incident panel um, quite clearly is reported to have supported the decision to award Anthony Gordon's controversial winner against uh, Arsenal Arteta if you remember was absolutely livid that the goal had been given Yeah we have to talk about the result because you have to talk about how the hell this goal um, stand up and it's incredible I feel embarrassed but I have to be the one now coming here to try to defend the club and please ask for help because it's an absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country and this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I am sorry. So uh, he was, uh, he felt sick, he was incredibly embarrassed, it was a disgrace, etc, etc. Sorry, Mikel. Um, uh, the report from the Premier League's independent key match incident panel says the goal rightly stood. I'll get to more detail on that in a moment. We spoke to IFAB. IFAB, who are IFAB? They're football's decision makers, lawmakers, lawmakers. They make the rules. The IFAB chief executive, Lucas Brood, and he spoke about Without specifically identifying Arteta's outburst, he spoke about some of the hysterical reactions to VAR here in England. I think people need to be patient that sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it's more complicated than we think to make sure we get to the to the best decision. But it's difficult to, you know, to make everyone happy. And um, But we are confident that, uh, as I said, in the vast, vast majority of matches, VAR uh, is almost silent you you don't see them uh they communicate uh with the referees they help them if we're needed but sometimes things get complicated um and uh, we have to be we have to accept that have to accept it and look as we do accept it and you're doing a good job 
So the Premier League's independent key match incident panel, Martin, looked at that Gordon situation, looked at the goal and obviously cast an eye over Arteta's outburst. The report states the majority of the five-strong independent panel, four to one, agreed that the goal should have stood. They say there was no conclusive evidence to show that the whole of the ball was over the line, over the whole of the goal line. The majority agreed the the on-field decision of no foul was correct. There was no foul involving Gabriel. And there was no evidence to show that the goal scorer, Gordon, was in an offside position. That all adds up to one thing, goal given. So what's your friend Arteta on about? Well, Jim, this is obviously subjective, even though it goes to VAR, and I don't agree with the panel. I would prefer, actually, if we're going to name names, I would prefer to look at three former top referees who've all looked at this incident very closely. Firstly, we look at Chris Foy. He said, for him, it was a foul. Dermot Gallagher, top referee, former referee, said it was a foul. Mark Clattenburg said it was a foul. So we can all aim at uh, at evidence. I don't even know who the panel is made up of. Former players. You you say it's... I'm not sure it can be particularly independent, but I simply don't agree. As a centre-half in that situation, immediately I was watching, I was working with the guys at the BBC, we're doing Match of the Day, and everyone's shouting, goal, goal, goal. And I'm like, no, 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 couldn't, that couldn't be a goal because it's got, it must have a, been a foul. Watched it back, two hands on his back, Gabriel. Now, people saying he's stooping, and, and then... So people covering that game, Jim, the Gary Nevilles and people, create a narrative. They, they put it into people's minds that, oh, what's he stooping for? He's stooping because he's got two hands on him, and he's stooping because he's off the ground. He's taking the body weight there. Mm. of Joe Linton so for me it's a foul all day long I don't care what panel you put me in it's a foul I'm not changing my mind that's fair enough you're not wearing your Arsenal glasses not at all whatever team I was supporting I'll tell you if that was a goal if Mm. that was Spurs in a similar situation and that was a foul on Romero I am shouting the same thing so so do you echo what Arteta's saying are you bitter about it? Are you... I think the choice of wording, Jim, you... was, was quite strong. Maybe uh, he could have taken a bit of time out. You think it was too strong? Possibly. Yeah. But, he, but I'm not there in that situation. So you're feeling like you've been cheated. That's how you feel. You feel the world is against you. Yeah, he wouldn't have felt that it's a huge, to win it 2-1. It's a huge but, game. It's a it, huge of game. Of course it's the Arsenal, incidentally, huge incidentally, Arsenal had 60% possession in that game. Everyone talking about one shot. Newcastle only had two yeah. shots themselves. Yeah. So the game could have gone either way, quite but, like but, the Man City Arsenal game went either way. Moments go for you, and moments go against you, because this same panel said, "Do you know something? Havertz should have been red carded, and he wasn't." So Arsenal got a break in that one. Well, again, I, do you I think don't, he should have been? No, red-carded? I don't. I don't. I think he should have been if he had made contact. He didn't make contact. He comes in, and it's the trailing leg that he catches. Mind if he catches, definitely looking at this through Arsenal glasses. Are you not? I think Havertz was was very was really on the edge there. And I wouldn't advise him to make that kind of tackle. But I can see the common sense in mm. why he wasn't sent off. Mm. But, Jim, when you look at that time and time again, were they really looking at the foul? This is where, this is, these are the areas when you've heard your Mike Dean's having to go at Paul Merson, you don't know the rules. Or what we do know, actually, we do know when people are being fouled. We do know when people are trying to cheat. We do know when they're trying to take advantage of the rules. Yeah? But that's, the one, that's player, something we can offer. But the offer. former players in this panel looked at it and yeah, said, I, I, no, I, the whole sequence building up to that goal means it should have been a goal, and it was a goal, and the goal was given. So it was the right decision. I've just told you, there are three former top referees, and maybe that's the issue. 
Maybe that's the issue. The actual on the field but you're referee. What's going on about former players should be more involved in the game? They are. They're on this bloody independent key the, match incident panel. Well, Premier League panel. Independent. The Premier League's independent key there, match incident panel. I do not agree with their decisions, Jim. You, uh, the former players. What do you want me to change my mind? I, I believe in what I saw. Would you? It's be a say, foul. We, and if I was in that panel, I would have brought it to their attention to explain why the player cannot get off the ground. I did it today with our producer. Do you, do you Luke, not, I said to him, look, okay, I've got two hands on your back. Can you can you lift off the ground? No, you can't even leave the floor, Jim. Be honest with me here. I'm, I'm if, being honest now. If this has happened at the other end of the pitch at St James's Park and it was Arsenal's goal, if it's stroked off, I then accept and understand it. <sighs> I just had to, because at the end of the day, Jim, I'm, I'm actually an advocate of fair play. I might not look like that when I was on the pitch, but it doesn't mean I can't sit here and actually say that, yeah? And but, I said, oh but yeah, why this, can't you this righteous, it? virtuous why individual. Can't you I'm not authority? that. I'm saying you that is a foul on a central defender. Why can't you accept authority and the decisions that they arrive at? Well, what is it about football and 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 some of the people within it who say do, do even what, Jim, after it's been it's because shown, they're looking at it in the cold light of day, almost second they're getting a second chance to get this right, and when they get it wrong, it, it it's a double hit. But they didn't get it wrong. In my opinion, they got it wrong. They didn't get it and wrong. And I'm not alone the, in that opinion, by you, the way. You might not be alone in it, but you're in the minority. No, I don't think so. I think you're just made... For, to, to suit your narrative, that's what you're throwing at me. <laughs> to suit your narrative, is, you're saying... No, I, look, I'd love to go... Maybe given. I should sit in on the panel. Do you know? Well, maybe you should. Have yeah. we got a number for the Premier League's independent key match incident panel? Would they, be, would they be able to accommodate Martin Keown? Could the five-man panel become a six-man panel? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Let's ask. Do it. Are you serious about that? I'd love to go along, but I, Jim, I wouldn't get that opportunity. Because I might bring some common sense to the table, and that's not going to happen, is it? Martin, they applied common sense. They looked no. at it. How could four of them agree and one disagree, but that's a majority decision that it was right why don't they, why don't they to talk, give Why don't they talk to the, the former referees then? If we're not allowed, why don't, we, why don't we get former referees in the room? That same panel. Yeah, what, I know what, there might be a couple got, in there, but get them all in there. What we, they are all in there. What, is is Klassenberg in there? Is Dermot Gallagher in we there? Have a, we have former referees and former players on the Premier League's independent well, who are key they match then? incident panel. Let's name them. Who, who are these individuals? They're not naming them. They, ah, they choose not okay. to name them, but they insist former refs it and former players are on it. But, but I if you want a, to I add yourself to, to that list, why not jump in? I don't have to agree with them, Jim. I'm not gonna, I, I simply don't agree with them. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Download. Stand well back. Listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Two has become three, and I'm delighted to say that former Millwall manager until of late, Gary Rowett, joins us live in studio. Mr. Rowett, good morning. <laughs> good morning, how are you? Uh, we are very well. You, you, you arrived there as uh, Martin was just about to grab me um, in a friendly <laughs> manner by the throat uh, regards VAR. I'm glad you're here, Gary. We'll get to that in a second. But Millwall. How did it finish up? I remember uh, I was on that morning. Gary's left Millwall by mutual consent. When you when you see that, you think, well, was it truly by mutual consent? So was it? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think it was. Um, it was. It was one of those things that you just felt like it had come to a natural end. It felt like it was better for everybody to to move in a different way. And and I think what normally happens in that circumstance is either the manager tries his best to get out and get the sack or the club have to make a decision. And and due to a lot of things that had happened over the summer, you know, the, the you know, losing um, the chairman, John Berylson and everything, it, it just felt like the right thing to do was to try and find an amicable way to, so to no move regrets. forward for everyone. No, no, re- no, regrets, no regrets at all. It's the right decision. I mean, it's the right decision for the club as well. Um, yeah, and looking forward to what's next. And, and what is next? I mean, have you got the itch to get back in? Uh, I love it when you join us in here, but like everybody else in football, Gary, we know where your heart lies, and that's in the technical area. Yeah, it is, but I just love the game. I think, you know, when you just love, you know, we've all grown up loving the game, and, and I'm passionate about it, whether that's talking about it, whether that's watching it, um, you know, whether that's watching it live or whatever that is, um, or managing or coaching. I think. You just want to enjoy it, don't you? You want to enjoy it. You don't want it to feel like it's a chore or anything like that. So, so yeah, whatever's next is next. It's, you know, it's nice to spend a bit of time with my family. I've been up and down the motorway for four years, which yeah, true, when true. you start, you think it's going to be about nine months because that's the, the yeah. average tenure. So four years later, and it's nice to just do things that you can't yeah. normally do, you know? But, but, spinning your blushes, win, lose, or draw, Martin, when, whenever I went down to Millwall, you were always one of the unusual guys, Gary, that you would always talk, you'd always speak to me, you'd always front it up. Um, and more often than not, you were winning, if I remember rightly. So you're in, you're in a good uh, state of mind. But you that doesn't phase you, does it? Even if there's a bit of an injustice in your eyes regarding a decision or whatever, you'll always do your media duties. That was a big thing for you. Yeah, I've always done that, though. I think, you know, uh, it's not just about trying to do the right thing, you know, and, and, and insincerely. It's about just being a good person, isn't it? You know, and it's about respecting everybody and respecting everyone's views and having time for people. That's whatever I did, whatever walk of life I'm in, I don't think that would ever, that would ever change. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm surprised that you're surprised that we did that. I even said hello to you on the South Bank a couple of times, didn't I? So, yes, yes. So, um, this man w- w- was out and about and we bumped into each other. No, I, I agree. Just before you came in, as I say, um, Martin was in a quite threatening manager uh, manner com- coming towards me <laughs> regarding VAR, I'm joking. But of course, we were talking about that decision the other night at St James's Park that Arteta did not take kindly to uh, when Anthony Gordon's goal was allowed to stand. I mean, could you? I know, I know. I'm asking you to second guess things, Gary. I, I would think you're not the type, but could you imagine yourself post-match saying, "Or have you ever done it? I'm sick. Um, 
I, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm it was a disgrace that such and such a goal was allowed to stand. Could you imagine going down that line, or would you be more Ange Postecoglou? Look, I was brought up in a different way. What happens happens, and I go with it. I can't imagine saying it in quite those terms, but I think that I, I, I've said things before that in the pressure of the end of a game and the feeling of the end of a game, you, you you do become a little bit irrational sometimes in the way you say things. And once you go, you're going to go. And then, you know, of course, Arsenal then bringing a statement out afterwards for me was not only just backing the manager, but probably trying to take a little bit of heat off him in certain ways as well. Um, but But I have been in that position where things are perhaps not gone like you want. Yes, you feel there's an injustice, but I also think pressure affects people in different ways. And sometimes you see it coming out so quickly after the game in the in the, uh, in the press conference. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because he actually said it again, I think, in the... Because yeah. you end up doing about four or five different right. presses. And, yeah. and uh, I think he said it again afterwards. So yeah. may, maybe it was premeditated. Were Arsenal right to back him like that? Um, well, it was refreshing in some ways to see a club come... I mean, I'm... It's hard to say whether they were right or wrong. You know, I don't. I think it'd be difficult if every club came out and backed their manager after everything they said after a game. But uh, it was refreshing in some ways that it li- didn't leave the manager hanging. Yeah, um, which often happens um, after press conferences. But... See, I, I mean, these organisations that are in and around the game now. Martin's not having the fact that the Premier League's independent key match incident panel said, "Yeah, right decision. Goal should have stood and did stand. One nil Newcastle." But. There is, a, there is a reluctance, I think, and we certainly saw it demonstrated from Martin this morning. I'm not talking about you as if you're not here, Martin, but it, there was a reluctance on your part to accept authority's stance. Well, there's accepting authority's stance and moving on, and there's also looking at an incident and just being baffled as to how so many people can see such a thing. I mean, I looked at the Wolves' penalty the other week, um, and... VAR watched it, the referee watched it, a lot of people commented, and I'm still stood there saying, any anyone that's watched the game for a long period of time or understands how players move or has played the game or has coached the game or has watched the game, just would go, that's not a penalty. So I think that's the challenge. The challenge is, mm-hmm. is it the rule? Are, are we going off the letter of the law or should we be going, or should the referees be going off what most people would see. Because, you know, and I know it's a very different thing, isn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but um Would you have wanted VAR in the championship? Uh, I was quite happy VAR wasn't in the championship. But if I'm being honest, when VAR first came in, I looked at it as a manager and thought, you know what? We used to moan about goal line technology. I'd be screaming on the halfway line when the when the goal line's, you know, 50 metres away. And I'd be shouting, it's over, it's over. Well, you couldn't see. You couldn't, you were just aimlessly trying to claim something. So when that came in, <laughs> nobody nobody questioned it. It was like, right, it's over. I can't, I can't argue. I felt VAR might be like that stupidly. Yeah. Um, I felt it might be very definitive, yes or no. And and, and obviously, it hasn't turned out well, that way. Well, I, I don't think it was ever going to be 100%, but Martin, you were amazed when I told you that Lucas Brood, the head of the lawmakers of the game, the chief exec of IFAB, had told us how long it might take for the whole thing to settle down. This was brewed on that topic. We brought it in to improve the decision-making, improve the fairness of the decision-making for all the teams involved. When we look at statistics alone, and I know that there is a difference between statistics and perception, uh, but when we look at statistics alone, improving decision-making from 92 to 99 and more percent, 
I think this is um, should uh, answer most of the questions. It's not a perfect system. We knew from the beginning it will take probably a decade until everything really settles down and, and everyone is happy with the way it's working. But again, I think we are happy that it is working. And in thousands and thousands and thousands of matches played every weekend, people are satisfied that there is a VAR. So he says, Martin, in, in thousands and thousands and thousands of cases all around yeah, uh, Europe, that. it's working. Yeah, but what I don't accept is that surely a throwaway comment, 10 years. It's going to take 10 years for it to settle down. Gary, you're lucky if you get 10 games in a job in the championship if things go wrong. Look at Wayne Rooney right now under massive pressure. And if it's one of these decisions is hinging on his job... Well, that's you, because you got, Rooney hasn't got a win yet. Yeah, but get it right. Get it right. I mean, I, what what sort of expectation is that, Jim? We were all on our no, way. Wait, it was brought in because people like you and former like players you. and players and managers were moaning and moaning and moaning. Simon's it, right about that. That's want, why they brought it in. They want fairness, don't they? So we all felt that if we get give the referees, the officials, a second opportunity, that they can't fail to get the thing wrong. But they're still, they still are getting it wrong, OK? Now, look, let's... Go back 12 months. We're all on our way to the World Cup, aren't we, this time last year. What were they using? Much better technology, semi-automated. We had sensors in the ball. We yeah, but who voted we... against that? The Premier League. Why did they vote against that? You why tell we... me. The technology... So so when they haven't got satisfactory <laughs> pictures for us to look at, we're going... It's like going to the moon on a, a home computer, as they did many years ago. We'll be looking back at this and saying, how on earth did they do v... attempt to do VAR with the equipment they had? The technology's not there, Jim. And we're, we're bouncing along with this system. They should be made, the clubs, to, to use this semi-automated system. We didn't have any trouble in the World Cup, did we? That was absolutely fine. There was one game when it, against Japan, was it, when the ball looked like it was in, but the circumference of the ball it, well, showed that it was. But again, I stress, it was the Premier League guy that voted against semi-automated. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, there's a secondary debate now that's came up without everyone really thinking about it originally. You know, it was originally designed to make sure we get the... Um, decisions correct now you look uh, you know down the line and I think there's you know I, I sat in a lot of meetings in the summer as a manager and it was all about you know we want to protect the brand of, of the Premier League and the Championship and we want to we want to um, we want to get more minutes in the game more ball in playtime more entertainment for the fans it was all about entertainment for the fans it was all about creating a better product and I think the challenge now is Forget how many decisions are right. You know, is is it killing the product? Is it actually you losing the enjoyment in the game? I think there's a sub argument to be had, but is it actually making the game less entertaining? Until the technology Gary, is more important. I don't know. Is it, surely the, the ultimate aim is to get the decisions right. Well, it, from a financial perspective, and from a you know, if you speak to the decision making in football, I'm sure that's the ultimate aim. If you speak to the fans, it might be a very different answer. It'd be interesting to. To see how many fans would, you know, would would um, would be in favour of VAR, having seen it just creeping more. You know, originally it was two or three decisions a game, was it? Now it just feels like it's every single moment of action. You know, well, certainly the other night. I mean, it was crazy, wasn't it? Um, when when Tottenham played Chelsea, and even the England manager Gareth Southgate um, joined the debate regards that particular game. Well, I was bored watching the game. I was at the game and it just kept stopping. So never mind the players, what about the fans? Now, the flip side of that is I think all the decisions were right in the end. So if that's the purpose of the game, then fine. But yeah, it's sucking the enjoyment out of goals. And I, th I think the ball in playtime for that game was 
incredibly low, even though we had 21 minutes of extra time. So, yeah, that would be, well, I talked about VAR a month ago. There's no point in me going over what I think about it. I like Gareth, but I don't think I would have used the word boring. Yeah, but he's in the ground, isn't he? So he makes a distinction. You're sat at home watching it. And this is the thing. If you're in the stadium, we used to ring people from home and say, what happened there at the game? They're now ringing home to find out what's going on. We're taking the mickey out of the fans, Jim. This has to be uh, run through the big screens. We have to get communication. We're the only sport that doesn't do it. Less time to do it. Then Gareth would be completely in the loop. The problem is, Arsenal's statement the other day, we're very much, uh, we'd be very willing to help uh, the PGMOL in the, the process of decision-making. But they don't offer any solutions, Martin. They don't offer any solutions. I mean, you can't... The, the clubs, Premier League managers, can't be allowed, surely, Gary, to dictate PGMOL policy. That would be a denigration of Howard Webb's authority. Well, I was going to say that. I'm sure Howard Webb's not sat home thinking, well, I'd really like your help because you haven't really helped me very much with the comments <laughs> exactly. that have been made. You know, I think, I think that's a challenge. I think, you know, for me, Howard's a really good guy. I think he's a very intelligent guy. I think he's really trying to... Um, push forward and make a, a, make things better and I think at the moment unfortunately he seems to be the one getting all the criticism yeah, um, yeah. yeah I find it hard you know when you watch like a when you watch like a rugby match and, and you see the way they use VAR I know it's different I know it's a very sort of it's slightly easier to do um, but they seem to be, you know, goes to goes they, to they go, accept it. They accept goes to video technology. The referee gives an explanation. Move on. You know, we go to four different people. They debate it. They then get the ref. Uh, the, the bit I hate is where the referee has to go over to the monitor. For me, if there's three of you, make a decision. You know, take the pressure off the referee in that one moment to to do it. For me, it's a cop out. You know, go, make the decision yourselves quickly. Tell the referee, and he can move forward and move on. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. We're not just happy, we're not just content with one Arsenal Invincible because in the building, and he's about to join us, he's been mobbed since he came in the front door, 17 floors below us here uh, at the news building here at London Bridge. Uh, we have another Arsenal Invincible because Colo Turi, brother of Yaya, uh, is going to be joining us live. And I mean that, since the moment he came in this building, he's been talking to everybody who has been keen to come over to talk to him. Colo is out there and I can see him. Martin, before he comes in, tell me about this fella. He's a very popular guy, especially with Arsenal fans today. Oh yeah, Gr uh, great kid when he came into the club so young. Uh, if you look what an illustrious career he had, playing at Man City, playing at Liverpool, <clears throat> to, to great effect. Um, yeah, he came in. Uh, you could play him almost anywhere, Jim. And they literally were playing him out on the wing to begin with. Um, and then there was sort of a, a period when they wanted, played him in midfield. And then in the end, he ended up being a central defender. Something I mentioned was worked. I mean, obviously, it's the Wenger's call, but I always felt he had the the game set to play as a central defender. And of course, that's where he ended up. OK, Colo Turi joins us live. Um, you've been out there. You've been talking to everybody, haven't you? Yeah, quite, <laughs> yeah a little bit. <laughs> Colo, good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine, Jim. I'm fine. It's really good to speak to you. Here's a story you didn't expect to hear. The last time I saw this man, we were both getting made up. Do you remember we were getting makeup on at, at Sky Sports News? We were in the makeup department. Exactly. We were chatting to the ladies in there. It is good to see you uh, and it's good to have your chat today. I have to say, many Arsenal fans getting in touch, they all want to say to you, brilliant. They love you. Um, you. Arsenal fans listening, who was the better invincible? Was it Colo Turi? Was it Martin Keown? What, is it, what does it feel like? 
to to be spoken about in 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 such a great way, having played the way you did at that club. Uh, I will say I've, I was really lucky that um, I came to a club where I find really really good people, and uh, Asen Wenger, Wenger was unbelievable for me. Uh, the support I had, but as well the players. And Martin is here, and uh, uh, Patrick Vieira, Rui Paulo, you know Dennis Bergkamp. I was really lucky. I find unbelievable people. They were great players, but they were great people as well. And for me, that's uh, they made they made very easy for me. And uh, if I I did that career in Hassan is because a lot because of them as well. The support I had around me. What was it like for you, a young boy? I mean, you, you were only twenty, walking into that kind of company. I'm, I can tell you, I was, um, it was, I was intimidated at the start, you know, seeing players that I was watching on the TV, you know, and I was, I was going to to train with them, uh, to talk to them. Honestly, I was, I was very shy. I can tell you, you know, the only moment I was really yeah. uh, expressing myself it was when I was on the pitch. But apart from that, it was hard to get conversation because you think you're looking them, you see like, you know, I just saw them on the TV, like you know, two or three months ago, and I am with them. Um, but uh, again, really humble guys, you know, always give me a great support and that made it very, you very easy see, for me. You could see the excitement though. You you could hardly hold it in. Yeah. You were running on the spot as you were talking to us. I don't know if you even realise, because you were told you were going to train with us and it was like the boss was like trying to fast track you mm. in into work with us in those because he saw from the beginning that enthusiasm that quality that mm. we've got to push this kid on to see if we can get him to where we want to get him to mm. Mm. yeah uh, i'm looking at the messages coming in so i'm going to get to this jim says jack jim you've got to mention his trial at arsenal <laughs> so we're going to do that for everybody this friday lunchtime you're going to enjoy this these guys played with ray parlor and Ray Parler describes the scene when Colo Turi pitched up for a trial. First ball goes into to uh, Omri. Oh, from nowhere, Colo Turi takes him out. I'm like, whoa, Colo, he's our best player. Don't don't kick him. And Wenger's like, no, Colo, no kick him. No, 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 no. no. Next minute, they swap over. Burkamp's on uh, Colo Turi now. Ball goes into Burkamp. He takes Burkamp out. Oh, this is his trial. So now Wenger's getting really irritated. Going, Colo. No tackle, no tackle. <laughs> now we got, you know, we got big games coming up. If Omri and Burkham are out, we, we can't yeah. win the league. Simple as that. And we got a trialist kicking Rob them. Rob Pele up front. So anyway, next ball goes in and he makes a really good interception. The ball spins up oof, and he follows the ball, Colo. You watch him when he plays, he always followed the ball. Didn't know what was around him. The ball lands right at Arsene Wenger's feet. Boff! <laughs> takes him out. Oh! You had, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Golo, you took Wenger out as well. You cleaned him out. Yeah, like Martin said, I was so um, enthusiastic. You know, for me, it was I couldn't believe. You know, I was training with these guys, man. You know, coming there, you know, and having the chance to express myself with people that you know that were my idols. You know, and uh, when the game started, you know, I was I wanted to show what I was capable of doing because for me it was a big chance I don't want to miss that at all and uh, I was trying to like you know tackling everything I could including, you know, for, Vanga, including, you, including the manager do you remember the, what the manager said he's getting to his feet and he said we, we sign him we sign him <laughs> really <laughs> please do it <laughs> you were just going after anybody uh, Cole I've got to say this morning I, I got in touch with Arsene Wenger uh, he's in meetings in Paris as we speak but he's just messaged me 
And he says, Jim, please give Martin Keown and Colaturi my best regards. They have my deepest respect because of who they are. Now that I I know that means a lot to you because I mean Martin speaks of Wenger in 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 the in the highest regard. I know that you still have a huge huge opinion of Arsene Wenger. Everything starts from him, you know. How he say is, he give me the trust, he give me the the belief, he give me the chance to express myself in uh, the best league in the world. And yeah. for me, uh, there's nothing you can beat that. Is my father, you know. He, when I see my father, I have my uh, my biological father, but Asen is a, is a father. He looked after me when I was here, uh, like his son, and he took care of me in uh, in every manner. I will say, and uh, you know, without that support, I don't think I was able to do what I've done. Honestly, well, you must have been incredibly nervous about what you get into. You, you signed from Abidjan yeah. side, uh, ASEC Mimosas. Yeah, Asek Mimosa. Yeah. Mimosa yeah. for for a hundred and fifty thousand quid. I mean, what was that change like, going from there to no disrespect to, yeah. to the club in Abidjan, yeah, but to to Arsenal, yeah, massive. I, I don't think there is a lot of players who done that, you know, from Africa straight away in the Premier League, and to do that you have to be able to pay a certain percentage of the game of your national team. I was playing for my national team already in that uh, in that days. But uh, uh, Ivory Coast, yeah, Ivory Coast uh, national team, Cote d'Ivoire, yeah. exactly, Cote d'Ivoire, yeah. But it was a massive change, you know. Um, uh, condition was different, uh, environment was different, food was different, um, the speed of the game was different. I needed to adapt to that, and the the good thing is, you know, Arsenal had some really competent people. Yeah. Arsenal had really competent people, and. Tony Corbett was one of them, you know. He, Tony Corbett. Tony Corbett, yeah, the fitness, fitness guy. Fitness yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. incredible with me. He just helped me to get better physically, and at one point I was I was really I put on muscle really because when I came I was a bit skinny. About ten stone, weren't you? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what exactly, was it like yeah. in the Ivory Coast? All the talk about you, because they must have been going crazy about you and Yaya. I, I remember I was in Senegal with Vieira years ago when he opened his own soccer academy. Yeah. And they are football mad. And they love Patrick. But the Ivory Coast must be the same about you and Yaya. Yeah, the, the passion in, in Ivory Coast for football is incredible. You know, there's nothing else, you know, apart politic is football. Yeah. And what brings everybody together really is the football. We had Yaya come on trial, didn't we, as well? Yes. And that, so yeah. I've never talked to you about. Were you really disappointed that that didn't go through? Because that I would was. have been a remarkable signing. I was. Well. I was. Tell I both was, of you. Yeah, I was a bit sad for Yaya, but he was young in that moment. And Song and Diaby, weren't they? Were both just arriving at the club at the time exactly. in the same position. Exactly. And uh, but um, you know, he's, he was young. I would say Yaya at that time. And uh, uh, you, you older know, than him. Uh, yeah, I'm older than him. Two yeah, years, two years exactly. older. Exactly. But right, uh, so, so, so when you were playing at Arsenal, where where was he? He was in Beveren. In Beveren. In Beveren. Yeah, exactly. Belgium. In Belgium, and then he he had to go to uh, to Ukraine, Shakhtar uh, Metaluk. Oh um, yes, yeah, yeah. Metaluk Donetsk. Yeah, yeah. He played there, and he went to Greece, and then after he, he went to, uh, yeah, to, to France, France and Barcelona. Right. Uh, and what had, happened with the at Arsenal? Why did that not happen? I will say he was young. I will say. 
he, and uh, he was a bit frail, I would say, because yeah, he's again, yeah, was very. He's another top player that slipped through the Arsenal Wenger fingers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was difficult at that moment to see that because in the Premier League, especially back in the days, you needed power, you know, and uh, you could see I had power a little bit already. Mm. But yeah, because yeah, was a really skillful player. You know, it was difficult to in see. In fairness, he arrived. Yeah. And yes. being put in muscle. Colo, he arrived late in yeah. the preseason and he could see he was behind in the training. I think that's the only reason he, they never signed him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Life must have changed for you, Colo, yeah. overnight when you put pen to paper to, to, yeah. to Arsenal. And then you became part of the Invincibles team. I mean, could you ever have imagined that? No chance. Where Even does that achievement rank in your football career? Um, you know, he rung to to the top. I would say, you know, to, to the top, absolutely. And uh, but again, um, I did an interview and I spoke about like my best moments, and I ring that second, uh, the invincible. You know why? Because for me, coming the Premier League, playing for Arsenal was the biggest achievement. You know, to be able to come and sign for pulling us. On coming, ex- pulling on the shirt. And especially my first goal against Chelsea. You know, I, I came in, Martin, if you remember, uh, um, Patrick Vieira send off. We play AO in uh, away. Uh, and then Edu come out. Uh, I said, well, bring me. I play a winger and I scored 1-1. <laughs> you know, and for me, that's the biggest Started moment. off a winger, didn't you? Exactly. And that's the biggest moment for me because, I, you know, as a player, you always doubt. You know, I was thinking, do I belong to that league really? You know, but that goal have shown me and have, have, has told me that I was capable of playing in that league. Fabulous. I mean, when you look at the Invincibles and what they did, and of course they went the season unbeaten, hence Invincible. But it, do you think that's the greatest ever Premier League achievement, Colo? Uh, bet more than City uh, winning 100 plus points. I think Mourinho's 05 team, what you guys did going unbeaten, is that the the biggest Premier League achievement by any club? Is that the pinnacle? You know, the thing is, when you we start the season, we never ever thought about that. That wasn't the goal. You know, it's just during the season because we were playing well, we were winning games. And as soon as we became champion in Tottenham, we were happy really. You know, and we were feeling that we done it. Yeah. And then we had a few games to go. And that's where the talk start really. But from the start of the season, we never felt or believed that we were going to be ambitious. It was mentioned the year before, wasn't it, by the manager? Exactly. Said he felt, because the year before that, Jim, in 2002, we'd gone and beaten away from home the whole season. So the yeah. boss would say, look, we sort out those couple of defeats at home. We can do it. For, we can go the whole season. Yeah. But he announced that publicly. Wow. Yeah. And then wow. that made it, uh, doubly difficult. Yeah. So two thousand and three, four, it was yeah. going. It was under the surface. Yeah, it, it was in. It had been put there in our minds. We're going to take a break in yeah. a second, Cole. I want to ask you this. Uh, uh, it's okay to ask it. I'm sure. Is there any of the current Arsenal side who would get in that Invincibles team today? Um, I think Bukayosaka. I would say was is really good because he got power. He got speed. Who taken out? Who taken out? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. You're out of order. <laughs> Freddie's listening. No, I can't say. Because Freddie's got a lot of goals. Oh, great friend. Yeah, he's we're not going to say who player, comes out of the team, but don't tell Freddie Lundberg. <laughs> no. but, but, but Saka would make it, would he? Saka would make it because of his power. His speed, power, and uh, 
he can dribble two guys with 1v1, 2v2, you know, he's, yeah. he's really, really good. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Kolo, when you look at it, I mean, you had like probably 250-odd games at, at, at Arsenal. Um, uh, close on 100 with City. Um, more than 50 at Liverpool. Um and and then of course when you look at your international career, Ivory Coast, you you like hundred hundred twenty plus games for, for for your nation, the Ivory Coast. But when it came to management, you took a risk. You thought I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a go at it. Mm. So in you go to Wigan Athletic, mm-hmm. but it all went wrong, didn't it? You you signed a three and a half year deal. You had a, a, a run there. Nine games without a win in all competition, and it was over before it really started. Over after fifty-nine games, do you regret that now? How do you look back on that time? Um, it was a difficult situation, I would say, but I don't regret that at all because I wanted to take the chance and I like challenges. And when I went there, um, you know, the aim was to change the style of play and uh, to change the system because I spoke to uh, to the people there, and that's what I did. Really, I wanted to change the style of play, change everything. But um, again, if there's if there's anything to do again when you get to a club, I think first thing you have to do is to assess the situation, to assess the players, and then play to the player strength, and then slowly, slowly start to change things, you know, and make the team play the way you want. And I think uh, that was my, my. So you implemented change too quickly. Kobe, yeah, I implemented change too quickly. And I should have just adapted slowly, slowly uh, the changes uh, when, you know, we, we, were, uh, we were going to win more games and play um, and get more confidence from the team. Because as you know, Martin, it's very important to have players who are confident. And the players get confident only when they're winning games. Yeah. So you wouldn't change anything. Cool. I mean, obviously, you're still keen to go into management and you will do. But as and when you do, would you go in with a different reproach? Uh, I will assess the situation because I think w- when you when you get there, you have to do your homework. You look the players, everything. But when you get in the club and you meet the players, you see them train. That's where you can really see the quality. And then in uh, in relation to that, you can start have a, a clear plan. And you need to have a, a long term vision. And then you need short time uh, 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 target and then long term. Uh, a target as well and for me that will be the things you know go there assess the situation play to the strength of the team don't change things too quickly uh, making sure that the players yeah. uh, feel confident making sure that you don't change too much for them so really in a way your your enthusiasm yeah. <clears throat> to be a manager for the first time and implement your ideas yeah got in the way a little bit of, of, exactly. of what was actually in front of you. Exactly. I remember exactly. looking at your results, Colo, and I was yeah. thinking, Colo needs a win here. Yeah. He needs a win as a manager at Wigan. Yeah. He didn't get another one today. He didn't get one today. Another defeat, another defeat. Exactly. And I really felt for you after 59 days, that yeah. was it. They pulled the carpet from under your feet. Does reputational damage worry you mm-hmm. that I'm going to struggle to get another job in management mm-hmm. after that? Have you thought about that? Um. Yeah, you know, after that uh, experience, of course, I was thinking like, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But my thing is, um, you know, at the start of my career as a football player, you know, uh, I went through tough time as well. I made four or five tries. Didn't work. But the good thing is I'm a good learner. I learned from my mistake, you know, and Martin knows. And I've been talking to to him, talking to Arsene Wenger, uh, talking to people that can really help me, give me advice. 
and to get better. And definitely, I'm I'm looking for another challenge. You know, going there because I love football. Yeah, I love football. And like we always say, um, it's not because you've been a good player you're gonna be a good manager. But that's why for me, I did my homework. Really, I worked with Brandon for five years before I threw myself there. With Brandon Rogers, exactly. With of Brandon course. Rogers, which I learned a lot from him. Did you speak to Wenger in your time at Wigan? Yes, I spoke to uh, uh, to to Wenger. I spoke to Brandon. I spoke to um, Jorgen as well. And uh, I was speaking to Vincent as well, you know, because, uh, and even Patrick. Um, <laughs> not, bad, not bad gallery of names <laughs> exactly. to speak to. Absolutely. Yeah. But like Martin said, you know, when I went there, I had my ideas and a little bit naive, you know, going there to a ground that you don't really know, but I just wanted to implement everything straight away, you know, and that was the, that was a mistake there. But uh, I learned from it and next time you go, you play to the player's strength until you change slowly, slowly, and go back to the style of play I want to play, the vision that I, I want uh, I want to implement to the club, definitely. It's brilliant. You've got that resilience uh, about you, Cole. Where, where, where do you see yourself landing next as a manager? Where, where, where have you got, what idea have you got about where you could do it? I, I want a project where um, um, I want people who, uh, the ownership of the clubs, you know, the chairman, the CEOs, I want a project that... Uh, uh, they have a style of play, they have a vision, because long-term vision is very important. For me, uh, I love football, and every time I watch football, I want my player, I want to see a beautiful, a good football. You know, when I mean good, good football is attacking, attractive football. Because, you know, for me, fans coming to stadium, they want to see, uh, they want to see goals, uh, they want to see uh, dribbling, they want to see intensity. And that's what I want to give to, uh, to 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 my to to the team that I'm gonna manage, you know, because for me football is not only a job, but it's something that uh, will give pleasure to people. Yeah, you know, and I like to please people. I like to make people happy. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the way I, appro- I will approach. Are, it. are you confident, Cole? You can succeed as a manager where you failed at Wigan. Are absolutely, you- absolutely, because I, again, when I look at my career, I didn't had only good time before I joined Arsenal. Four five trial, no one wanted me. And I came to Arsenal and I done it, you know, and that keep giving me the strength, you know, setback make me stronger, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to the next challenge, definitely. I love that with a smile on your face. Where did you try before Arsenal to get in as a player and, and you got the door in your face? Uh, I went to uh, Bastia in France with second division. I went to Anderlecht. They said no. Um, I went to Strasbourg. They said no. Um... I went to Bal, they say no, and then, you know, uh, my agent told me, Kolo, listen, we go to Arsenal. I was like, Arsenal? <laughs> Just fell in those clubs, you bring it to Arsenal. Forget, I was like, forget Bastia forget, and Strasbourg. You know, I was like, no, nah, chance, I will do well there. And, but what happened, because I think I was putting a lot of pressure on me for those tries because I'm somebody really conscientious. And when I do things, I want to do it well. And that made me a little bit timid. And I didn't express. The only time I really, really expressed myself, it was coming to Arsenal because I thought that I will, have, I will not have any chance to stay there. You're 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review. Whatever you get your podcast from, we'll be back Monday to bring you the best of the show. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. 
Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.